Welcome to At the Table. Uh, this is a little different podcast done on Zoom because, uh, you know, we're in a new day. And um, so some social separation is happening. This is Bishop Sue, and I welcome you uh, for another series in a series of interviews with folks who are gifted leaders and who have uh, much to say uh, that will, I think will be helpful in these COVID days, for lack of a better descriptor. Uh, today, I'm delighted to welcome uh, to At the Table uh, the Reverend Dr. Bill Britt, who is the pastor down at Peachtree Road. Uh, but I also remind you that he has not always been the pastor of Peachtree Road, and, and um, all of us have had many ministry settings of all sizes in different places. And so I asked Bill when he responds today as we talk about stewardship and mission in these days, uh, to think about his other settings as well. Uh, I, I realize now, I look back on earlier churches I served, and I, I think, man, I could have led them so much better with what I've learned along the way. But I'm always uh, thinking back to those settings and um, how, how, in many ways, they're the same but different. Different concerns, different size, different um, locations, and how ministry is incredibly contextual. And so uh, I'm, I've asked Bill to respond with, with thinking about all the contexts he's been in ministry in, and I welcome him today. Thanks for, thanks for taking some time to do this, Bill, because I know you've got a lot on your plate. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, what are your thoughts on stewardship? You know, I, I, um, I hear doom and gloom. I hear different perspectives. But what's your take on how to approach stewardship uh, of the church in, in days where um, folks feel anxious and uh, clearly uh, the economy is threatened in many different ways and different people are affected in different ways? But what are you finding and how are you approaching it? Um, my approach has, and, and I go back to my seminary days when I was at Candler School of Theology. My professor was Ken Callahan. He was my church administration professor, and he had a pr very profound impact on my ministry, and it's continued uh, to this day. I probably talk to him a couple of times a year, uh, even through these uh, 30 years that I've been out of seminary. But um, or now 40 years out of seminary. <laughs> um, Ken Callahan used to always say to us, there's never enough money for the church, but there's always enough money for the mission. Mm -hmm. and, and he held those two in tension. There was never enough money that we felt like we were comfortable, we were set, but there was always enough for the need of the ministry, the mission of the church that was at hand. And I think that's true in any size church. There's never enough in a large mm -hmm. membership church. There's never enough in a small membership church, but there's always enough because of the generosity in the hearts of the people for human need. And so people will respond to that human need. And, and so my approach to, seminary, to stewardship during times like this is to understand that there's not going to be enough money for us to be set, for us to be secure, right. for us to be right. certain. There's no, there's no guarantee, but there is enough money for today. There's enough money for the mission, for the ministry to help people today. Uh, people are glad to share. People are glad to give because they, they're their tendency, it's in their DNA to be generous. 
to, to be uh, supportive and compassionate, and they'll give out of their compassion. So that has always sort of colored what I have, uh, what I've thought about stewardship. Mm-hmm. When, when I think um, the other lesson that he taught me was that there are six sources of giving uh, and, and, you know, in early in my days, and even to this day, I tend to get caught up on just a couple of them, uh, operating budget, uh, what people have pledged and what they give and the offering plate Sunday after Sunday. That's the primary focus. And then every four or five, six years, you do a capital campaign and you think about those two. And he would say, yeah, but there are four other sources of giving that you can find and and people are glad to respond. And I have, over the years, have come to see the wisdom of that. Uh, One of, it's when there's a disaster or tornado Mm -hmm. in Tennessee uh, or a hurricane that rips through the Gulf Coast, uh, and you walk in on Sunday and you just announce, yesterday there was a tornado in Tennessee, we're taking up an offering for UMCOR today. And people reach into their pockets, they had no intention that they were gonna do that that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they give and they give very generously towards that. Uh, that's spontaneous. Um, we at Peachtree Road have gotten to where um, there are, we've taken advantage of major Sundays like Easter, uh, Christmas Eve, and we take up an offering uh, uh, for a particular mission on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. It's for water filters in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, on, on Easter, uh, we take up an offering uh, towards some of our ministry partners in the Buckhead uh, at Atlanta, greater Atlanta community. And uh, Bishop, those offerings are extremely generous mm-hmm. and, uh, and they, they make a huge difference. You know, special plan giving, we support the Mother's Day offering, we support Murphy Harpst, we have speakers who come in and tell us about those, and then we take up an offering, mm-hmm. and, you know, and people know that's coming up, they know Mother's Day is coming up, and so they're getting ready to give that offering. And then the one that we're doing right now, uh, I decided not to let a crisis go to waste, Uh, COVID relief. We've designated Mm -hmm. a COVID relief fund that we're doing for this year. And uh, it, it, when I call it's a COVID fund, but it's, um, it's not mission. It's how are we going to uh, secure the future of the church? Because we're going to have a shortfall in giving. Mm -hmm. Our church is not immune to the layoffs. We're not immune to the, the, um, Uh, the unemployment rate and people's portfolios dropping. In fact, we're going to be really susceptible to it at the end of the year. So many people give uh, out of accrued, uh, out of um, stock and Mm -hmm. the market is way down. We feel that because 30% of our income comes in in November and December. And if December are not good, it won't be good. And so we're doing a, we're, we're doing a campaign and we're inviting our 200 of our families to be the, the advanced team. Uh, I'm trying to raise them, you know, a, a million and a half dollars this mm-hmm. year to try to get through this year and the next two years. Right. So this is not a one year deal. It's a two year deal, three year deal. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to raise some money this year that'll help us have what we need and to innovate going forward. This COVID thing has taught us um, we were on the right path 
but we're having to take a significant advancement in doing it. Mm -hmm. So right. those are right. kind of the six that jump out at me that I learned. There are other ways to ask. You can ask people more than once or twice a year uh, to give. Yeah. And how much does, you know, a clear understanding of the mission of the church? I mean, you know, if ever a time the church was needed, it's now. Right. And so how do we help folks understand that? And here's another thing that I'm puzzled at. I, I got an email the other day by somebody who said, well, you've now gone and killed our church because we can't gather until June. And I, I, that just floors me. I mean, you know, um, because regardless of where I show up to worship, regardless, that commitment is always on my life, is it not? I mean, <laughs> my tithe check goes in regardless as a sense of trust, that I trust that, that God will help me through, and I'm faithful to that. And um, so I, I'm a little puzzled. And, um, you know, what's at the heart of our stewardship? What's at the heart of our, of our commitment? I think back, um, we were in Cape Coral, which was the hardest hit place in the recession. If you look at in the United States, where were the most defaults? Where was the economy the worst? It was Cape Coral, Florida. And uh, our church got through that. It was interesting. All the people who had said, well, we can't give that much because we're on fixed incomes. They became the wealthiest people in the church because <laughs> they were getting a paycheck every month. It was like, wow, you're getting money. And, um, they really stepped up and, and, and shared. I love in Acts when, um, you know, everybody comes together and shares and there's a sense of we're in this together. And, and if some can't give, we've got to up our giving and, and um, not to be flush with cash, like you say, not to be secure. Um, it always is interesting to me in scripture that God wants us to have just enough and usually daily. I mean, we pray for our daily bread and the Lord's prayer. So it's not like God wants us flush all the time. God wants us to trust that our daily provision will be given. And if I trust that God is faithful, then uh, my contribution keeps going in. Um, if I lose my job, I rely on others to help in that time. But I trust that I'll be back in a place again and I'll, I'll be faithful to my to my financial stewardship ob obligation. It's not something that's taken lightly. And I think sometimes we've lost sight of that uh, in our churches. I think we do. I think that, um, you know, one of the wonderful things about uh, this crisis is, is being able to connect with people digitally. And, mm -hmm. and what we've tried to do at our church is offering the services online. We do them live and we do them at the time of worship. And so it's happening the moment uh, that mm -hmm. people are, are tuning in. And, and I try to be very careful to remind people that while I may look out and see an empty sanctuary in, in my, through my eyes of faith, I'm seeing them there. They're all there. We're all together in the presence of God, worshiping together. And uh, there's that sense of community uh, that people have. Now, I'm still getting the, the pictures of people sending me uh, as they're watching the service with their brunch and uh, with right. the slippers and those kinds of things. And I know they're enjoying that. But the fact is that we are gathered 
probably in greater numbers than ever before, together in the presence of God to worship and experiencing uh, the community of faith together. And it, um, it, it's energizing. And mm-hmm. uh, people do realize the ministry of the church is going forward. We're not killing the church right. by not gathering together in a building. Uh, we are you know, and you raise, you raise an interesting point. I've, I've had a lot of folks from all over our connection report in that um, in some churches they're giving is up dramatically because they are leveraging, you know, uh, that the people of God are not just those who attend our church. And that um, a lot of times we've seen the viewership on the digital feed higher than average worship attendance. And I think that, I know, I think back to the years I wasn't in the church and I was practicing law and I had a lot of disposable income. I just wanted somebody to ask me for it and to show me a good way to use it. And I think there are a lot of people out there who may not have ever linked into organized religion or any church, but they have a tremendous heart and a sense of doing the right thing and giving to something that's valuable And I think that's what we're tapping into with some of our online viewing, that there are folks of goodwill who live all around us, who are all through our community, who, um, if the need is presented, just need a place to give. That's why on, on my social media, when I do something, you know, like Action Ministries or any group that I'm trying to support, I'm amazed at who gives. I mean, people, people with no faith commitment or people with, um, you know, no, no connection to organized religion are looking for a place to give. So I think this is an opportunity in our stewardship to present the need uh, unapologetically. Um, and, and really, I think some people are brought into the church through a sense of mission and a sense of being important to a cause. So, uh, you know, I hope we don't overlook that. And I hope we don't overlook all of those folks who are watching who um, will still be watching when we gather again. So how do we disciple them? How do we um, really incorporate them into our mission and into our work together? It's a challenge. I think that this, uh, you know, there's, God brings good things out of all the negatives that happen in the world. And COVID-19 is a horrible negative that has happened. It's terrible. But at the same time, God is at work. And I think there's this, this is a new day. Uh, the church is learning new ways of doing things. And we're not going to go back to the way it used to be completely. And I think that's a very good thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, like everybody else, you know, we're doing administrative board meetings online. Uh, we're doing uh, staff parish relation committee meetings online. And the result is we've got perfect attendance. I know. I've, I've, we've seen the same thing. Uh, and we had a, happened you know, before. And I, the Episcopacy Committee met a couple weeks ago, and, and one of our members from Augusta was like, man, I really love not trying to get to Atlanta in the morning. You know, there's a sense of... Okay, what have we learned? And I, I've been part of what I've been doing in these days is I've really watched to educate myself. A lot of continuing ed opportunities. I've loved a lot of the fresh expressions opportunities, and they talk about taking uh, what is a force disruption. I mean, we didn't have any choice in this, and I think that's what's had. You know, you didn't have any choice. You know, churches that had never had online giving have it now and churches that never had an online presence have it now and 
and we're talking about how do we make sure everybody has coverage with Wi-Fi. I mean, that's a huge issue, when, especially with telemedicine and all the things that need to happen. But the, in Fresh Expressions, they talk about how do we take a force, a force disruption, a, an unplanned disruption, and, and make it into a constructive disruption. What do we need to disrupt? What are we learning about? Um, you know, in many ways, it's forced us to go back to the Acts Church and to really talk about how do we cultivate relationship with people and how do we talk to them about Jesus? That's at its core. And I think that, you know, when this is, when this pandemic ends and we're able to get back together, there are going to be two groups of people. One, that they're going to be craving uh, primary human experience, the, the touch and the, the, the being in each other's presence. But then there are going to be other people that enjoy the convenience of plugging right. in a different way. And, and so we're not going to be able to offer just one or the other. Right now, we've moved to just the other. Uh, but now it's going to, it, in the future, it's going to be both and. It's going to be mm-hmm. physically present with each other, but then offering as the option people to be there by Zoom or however to participate, right. uh, whether that's a Sunday school group, a disciple group, a prayer group. Uh, it, it, that's going to be the future. Mm-hmm. Both and is not, and it's not right or wrong. I right. mean, that's what I think is so hard. Uh, the judgment we have that there's one right way to do it that, um, you know, somehow uh, we are um, uh, being blasphemous if we try something new. And, and that's not the case. I mean, it makes us think, I, I read the great, or it was a footnote noting how pandemics have caused, they've been the biggest source of, of church change throughout the ages, which I think is, boy, that's fascinating. You know, that the, uh, pandemic, nothing like a pandemic to throw everything up in the air. And it's been interesting to watch, to read historical accounts of what churches did in the Spanish flu epidemic and other, other the Black Plague. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, we have a lot to learn. I'm gonna ask you this, I think this is worth asking. Um, are, are, are there things that you're gonna just not bring back? I mean, I would think that, as, as I heard somebody say, uh, the uh, pandemic um, can be a great scapegoat. Blame it on the pandemic, kind of like the great fire, you know, it just didn't come back. Are there some, some things that probably need to, to be um, left behind? You know, it certainly is being an accelerant for us in our mm-hmm. church right now. There are things that we had on the planning for the fall. Uh, or for next year that we're moving up the time frame on just in accelerating different things. I, I put that question to my staff last week um, as we begin to make plans for the future. Uh, what is it that doesn't need to come back that we haven't mm-hmm. been doing? Uh, I have some opinions. I have some ideas mm-hmm. of things that don't need to come back, but the, the 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 Brady Bunch Zoom picture that I had, no one opened their mouth at that time. Yeah. There's still yeah. some sacred cows uh, right. there, and and I'm not ready to grill them just yet. But um, right. in my mind, there are two or three things that I'm pretty sure don't need to come back. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wasn't going to be on the attack. <laughs> Let somebody else say. Maybe we don't need to do this. That's that's wise, Bill. That's how you survive in this. <laughs> 
Um, any words for your previous churches? I mean, some people, I, I mean, I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed that people think, gosh, if I could just lead Peachtree Road, life would be so easy and all my staff would do everything. I always crack up. I'm like, man, you have no idea of the complexity and the headaches that go with that. But um, what would you say to your smaller churches or to churches not in the Atlanta area? What do you think is, is um, easily uh, kind of... Uh, transferred well I, I think i think it's extremely important right now for the church to have a posture uh, that says to the congregation and to the community around be at peace mm -hmm. uh, that this is a this is a very stressful time it's a very difficult time it's unprecedented in our lifetimes and so nobody has the playbook on how to do this nobody uh not those in politics, um, those that are uh, uh, epidemic experts, th they're, they're trying to course, uh, chart the best course of action. Mm -hmm. And I think the church can be a place that says, in the midst of this, God is with us and, and God will see us through. Uh, and that I think that the church uh, can continue to be that source of hope, can be a source of light for others. Uh, I said this to my staff a couple of weeks ago, and I would say it to every staff if I could go back in time uh, and to every congregation in my ministry, that uh, looking back on it, I realized that um, World War II and the Depression really shaped a whole generation of people. Uh, mm -hmm. They were people that were, they were given a tough road to hoe, and yet they, they pulled together, they leaned on their faith, and they, um, they, they stepped up, they rose up, and, and they met every challenge in those days during the Depression, during the World War II, and that went on for 15 years, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the sacrifices that they made, and they, you know, our uh, looking back in history, they seem to have almost been energized by it. They they felt called to that that time, and and they met that 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 occasion. I wonder, and we call them the greatest generation. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this time is the challenge for our generation. I wonder yeah. if this yeah. is what is here for us, and if it is. I think that we're ready to rise to the occasion. I think we're going to meet every challenge. And I think in the words of Churchill, this will be our finest hour. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, our generations in the future will look back and say they met that challenge with faith and with hope and with love and their actions were, uh, uh, were led by the Holy Spirit. And we've come to it. We came to a new day that, and they will stand on our shoulders because of decisions we made now. Right, right. And what a great um, theological statement we can make about, uh, you know, we are all part of community, that this is not a solo dog game. Um, I think when it comes to leadership, I know you are not leading alone. You have people who you consult and speak into. Uh, I, I hope that leaders in this time are easy on themselves because there's not a playbook. Like you say, it's all uncertain. Even our medical, uh, my favorite medical expert says, it, it, you want an expert who says, I don't know, this is uncertain. Um, we don't fully understand all the parts of the virus. We don't understand 
all the ways it affects the body. We don't even fully understand how it's transmitted or what will be the best course forward. Uh, we don't know, and it's a really hard call to navigate the economic and the health matters. How do you do that? How do you do that in a way that um, advances uh, everybody? And then um, I also like this, and I'll have you comment on this. He said, and this is what kind of my mantra, he said, um, in days like this, sometimes you just need to ask yourself when you lead, what are the worst ways to be wrong? Yeah. What are the worst ways to be wrong? So what are the worst ways to be wrong as you lead a church in this day? I was in a meeting the other day and uh, somebody asked, put it in a way that kind of shook me a little bit and said, um, I always have the AJC uh, uh, question in the back of my mind. If the AJC got this, uh, what we're debating over, this decision we're about to make, and they wanted to make it the worst possible <laughs> they could, what would it be? What would it be? What's the worst? Yeah. And, and yeah. so you want to avoid that at all costs. Right. You want, right. And, you know, my thing I kept saying to that group, I really don't know what to do. I just want us to do the right thing. What is yeah. the right thing by by people? And so it's it's um, we we do want to set the right example. We do want to uh, to do the right thing. And I, I, who was it, Jehoshaphat, who used to say, uh, "We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord." And right. I think that that, right. uh, that and thank for the shout out to Jehoshaphat. Well, he, 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 yeah, he needs a little more mention. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it, it's humility and confidence, and, mm -hmm. and those two things go together. I think humility is first, but confidence. And I think that's what he was referring to. We don't know what to do. That's the humility, but right. our eyes are on you. That's the confidence, uh, the trust. And, and, and we're always aware of uh, that there are huge implications to our decisions, huge yeah. implications. Yeah. In some ways, matters of life and death, whether it's economic or physical. And um, so, I don't think anything in our history as pastors prepared us for this. And so um, how do we learn from each other? And so I guess my final word is um, who speaks into your life and how do you, um, how do you uh, navigate difficult calls and, and difficult situations? I'll say this. Um, and I, I learned when I was a young associate minister, uh, I saw some, I had a group, there were, there were a group of senior ministers that had associates and they would go off and have lunch together and they would bring the associates every now and then. And we would sit at the children's table and talk with each other. <laughs> they, they did their thing. And, and it was people that were my age and we decided that uh, we wanted to stay a group. And so for once a month, for over 30 years, we've been getting together for lunch and we, we share each other's woes, uh, each other's burdens. We cry with each other when we're crying. We laugh with each other when we're laughing. And, uh, and it's a group that we stay in touch and we talk quite regularly, not just monthly lunch. And we've done that all these years. And as a result, I don't feel alone in this right. thing. And, right. and that's the ones that I worry about that they, they might feel alone in this. It's all on them. 
this group, we're calling each other and we all have networks and mm -hmm. we're calling each other and saying, how are you handling this? Right. What are you doing to get through? What is your church's plan? What, you know, what are your challenges? And just number one, we're commiserating with each other. We're, mm -hmm. we're not the only ones that are struggling, but we're also getting best practice ideas from yeah. each other. And that over my ministry has made all the difference. And when I was on the board of ministry, that's what I would always say to new ministers coming in, find a peer group, a group of peers that you can relate to and, and so that you won't be alone right. when times are tough. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, I've had a group for 23 years and same thing. And we're doing Zoom calls like crazy now. And it's funny, somebody took a screenshot of us both uh, looking as um, devastated as you can look, you know, as down as you can look, and then another screenshot of us just laughing, yeah. you know, rolling on the ground laughing. So I think that there is, uh, and I think um, part of it too is to just reach out to others, you know? That's what you guys did. And I think that um, most people will find that people are far more receptive to that than they would think. So. Um, spiritual disciplines you want to talk about that i think that's another way that we absolutely you you've got to have uh a, a prayer you know your prayer life this is this is the time i don't know that i prayed more uh before than i have during this time and it, it's it's a life uh, a life link uh i think that mm -hmm. energizes and uh it, it's those times going for those um those walks and and it, prayer walking is what I call it. And, yeah. and, and it's both exercise as well as that. Um, it, you know, you've got to attain, uh, you know, attend to all the ordinances of God, uh, mm -hmm. I think was the way Wesley put it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, I appreciate uh, your leadership at Peachtree Road, but throughout the years, I appreciate uh, your time, taking some time and just reflecting with me on what stewardship and mission, uh, how they, how the focus shifts, but stays the same. You know, I think a solid grounding of a church and stewardship and mission will take it through most times. And so, um, I thank you again and, um, blessings on you as you lead Peachtree Road and, and, um, all the folks there. And, and also I think, didn't you tell me that uh, you've taken, your church has taken this opportunity to call through its whole role twice. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're beginning to start the third round, uh, mm -hmm. but it's uh, shut-ins get called every week. Uh, senior adults are being called uh, every other week. And, uh, and, then, and then we've got volunteers in the church as well as staff and so forth. We've got about 150 to 200 people involved in calling everybody in the church. So we're getting ready, getting ready to do our third round of that. It's just, how are you doing? Is there anything yes. new to help? Well, and, and part, of, part of it is divide and conquer, put everybody to work so you don't have no. to do all of it. There's no way you can. No. So, um, and, and what you learn, I mean, that's how I guess you assess the needs and what the, yeah. what the heartbreak is and where are people in all this and where, how does your ministry need to, to move so that addresses the major needs of the people both in and outside the church. So, yeah. uh, I'm, I, I am impressed with that. I appreciate that. And, um, thanks again, Bill. Thank you, Bishop. Appreciate your leadership in North Georgia. You're a great. Well, guy. It's most of the time joyful and uh, certainly 
certainly, I, I guess I do sense every day like you do that um, and never, nobody's ever had to do it like this before. And uh, every day is a different challenge and we're making history as we go along in many ways. So hopefully, hopefully history will be kind to us and hopefully the AJC won't have horrible headlines about us any day soon. So right. thank you much. Take care, Bill. Thanks a lot. Okay. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. At the Table is produced by Sybil Davison and edited by Kim Drobes. Music is by Chuck Bell. Thank you, and I look forward to the next time we are together. <laughs>